This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Mitch LaFawn. Welcome to this episode of Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Joining me on the phone this week is the one, the only guitarist extraordinaire, Vinnie Vincent. And yes, Vinnie and I go on for about an hour, hour and a half. In fact, we go about an hour and 40 minutes, roughly. And so for that reason, uh, I'm going to just do this without a co-host. Uh, no disrespect to Alan. He, he's aware. But we're just going to get right into uh, Vinnie Vincent. But before that, I do uh, want to uh, mention to folks, uh, if you do want to support the podcast, please, I do have a PayPal address, MitchMinute at AOL.com, MitchMinute at AOL.com, if you care to support what I do. And also, my line of t-shirts is uh, now available and ready to ship. Head over to www loudtracks.com that is loudtracks.com l-o-u-d-t-r-a-x.com and when you get to the landing page simply search Mitch don't bother with Rock Talk just simply search Mitch and you will see the available sizes and models and uh, keeping in mind the artwork was designed by Claudio Bergman who also designed the artwork for Judas Priest's Firepower so if you Care to wear a Mitch t-shirt? Head over to loudtracks.com, search Mitch. There you go. And uh, without further ado, I will give you Vinny Vincent, and I will say one thing. Uh, the interview is is done as four separate phone calls because there was uh, an issue with the phones where, uh, on the first part, especially frustrating, Vinny was in a great, great uh, throws describing the lawsuits with Kiss and Gene Simmons. And then the phone just died. Just, uh, uh, hello, hello, hello. Anybody there? And no, there wasn't. Uh, so that, that ends part one rather abruptly. And it was exceptionally frustrating to me. But, you know, listen, it is what it is. Um, but I'm not going to uh, do anything with this audio. We're not, we're not going to, we're not going to, uh, you know, cut and paste the best moments together. You're going to get it as it is. Uh, there are a little bit of warts here and there uh, because the audio was in and out. And then uh, part four, which I call part four, but really for you is the end of the show. He uh, explains the cancellations of the shows that happened, I guess, uh, fe February. I guess they were in February. Anyway, we so we talk about that, but we address that at the very end. But there's a lot of great stuff in here. He talks about new music. Uh, talks about another bunch of speedball, speedball jam shows. Uh, we talk about his work with other artists. Uh, listen, it's a celebration of the music and the man. And uh, very, very gracious, Vinnie Vincent. Absolutely loved him. Uh, just absolutely terrific. So um, anyway, uh, listen, I could ramble on for the next half hour. So l let me not do that. Here is, without further ado, the one, the only... You know him as Vinny Vincent. We are speaking with guitarist Vinny Vincent. Uh, everybody loves to talk to Vinny, and of course he's got the uh, Speedball Jam coming up in June. Vinny, just an absolute, absolute pleasure to talk to you, because I know that you don't do a lot of interviews, and so I'm just grateful that you said, okay, I will talk to Mitch. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And I did specifically choose you because I've... I'm just inundated with with interview requests, and uh, as I was telling you, and and I will not do them any longer, and uh, it's it's just a flat, they're flatlined uh, unless unless it's someone I respect and uh, 
who has a real working knowledge of of uh, of what I do, and you know has an overall uh, quality to to their interviews and uh, respect for their artists. I will not do these any longer. And uh, and you, uh, I've always had uh, I've always had a great uh, I, an admiration, respect, and you know you know how to do interviews and it's about it's about the artist with you which is why we're talking it's about the artist it's about the music it's about the career and uh so here we are and uh there's a lot to say a lot to tell you and a lot to touch on and the floor is yours the floor is mine but i just want to say thank you for that because uh you know there there are so many interviews and stuff that go out that are sort of clickbait and tmz and and just get that that headline and that's not what I do. I'm here to celebrate mm-hmm. the artist and celebrate the music. And that, to me, is exceptionally important. And I'm very aware that people don't tune in to hear my voice. They tune in to hear who my guest is. So if it's you or a Gino Vanelli that I did last night or Kip Winger that I did recently, that's who they want to talk about. It's not the Mitch show. It, it's it's about the, the band and about the musician and stuff. And that's that's what I'm about. So let's, let's celebrate music. And shall we start right and at the And I think you're... I think you're you're talking to artists because because the world needs to reset reset itself from this 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 trash bash and trash society that we've turned into and uh I I I want no part of it you know it's a right now I'm in a I'm in a great place it is as I was explaining to you before we started the interview you know I'm driving my car now I'm not a passenger and I control where I go. And if I don't like, you know, who was driving my car, I'll pull the damn fucking car over and stop and get out. So this is now me controlling my destination and how I'm getting there and who's in the car with me if I allow anybody in. So things have changed, and, you know, since, since, God, it's almost it's a year and a half now. And... Um, I'm I'm happy where I'm going, and I'm in, I'm in the best place I have been in, and I want to take this place to to the fans, to the actual fans. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we've become you know a society that that's pretty ugly right now, and and I think the reason you're talking to people, by the way, Gino Vanelli, one of yeah. my favorites. Oh, one isn't he terrific? My, hey, thank you, Miss, uh, fellow paisanos, fellow fellow Italians here. Love Gino, um, love, always loved his music, but I'll tell you what, I love him more now than I did. Uh, he's on one of my, my playing lists, my, my repeat lists with, uh, the orchestra of his, uh, I have to see where it is, but he, he's, he's got some live shows out with live orchestras doing, doing his hits. Absolutely gorgeous beyond beyond words love it love it love it so uh i i send him my kindest regards he's one of my favorite artists so gino yes <laughs> you know what i i, I um, interviewed gino last night and i'm going to go see him in concert in montreal at the end of the month and i will convey that uh, those those regards for for you but send, just send him my regards and uh he's got uh I, I won't. I don't give any solos too many, but uh, uh, when it's time for him and I to get together, we will. 
And yeah. uh, but please send him my regards. Yeah. So you're so, talking to another Italian fellow Italian here. Fellow Italian. Well, I'm not Italian. I'm, we're actually Danish, but uh, but from, G, from you're from, you're Lafon. You're what French? Well, Lafon is is a French name, but uh, yeah, my 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 dad was from the Alsace region, which I guess is the sort of French German border <coughs> region, and my mom's from Denmark. It was just a couple of countries apart. That's well, all right. But I've been to Close Italy, enough. and I've actually uh, walked in the uh, Colosseum. Which I don't think we're close anymore. enough neighbors. All right, close enough. So. But yes, but all right. Close let enough. let okay. us get to what people want to hear about. Yeah. First what and do foremost, they want to hear. They want well. They want to hear you. There's always a great, great anticipation when is Vinny going to speak? And here we are. So let's get to Friday, June seventh, two thousand nineteen. Speedball Jam. We will start with the easy questions, and we will we will go from there. But what can fans expect? Uh, what fans can expect this is this is a fun this is probably one of the most fun ideas uh i do things that are that are not expected not the normal thing you'd put out not what is commercially viable or you know is is like uh are you going what songs you're going to do uh you know who's your this who's your in 2001 i had I put out a, a, a CD called Speedball Jam, and I, I I wanted to give to fans a really very unique piece, never to be heard before. And the reason I was able to do this is because because I control my own my own recordings. Nobody, I don't have to pass it to someone else to, to get approval. So I had um, all of these these recordings from uh you know from uh rehearsals rehearsals in in the 80s and uh i i would the way rehearsals normally started was uh you know when you're playing with a bass and drums you're and you have a, a lead guitarist like me you know you you lead the way you know plug in you're riffing they follow and it develops into this and this and this, and I lead the way into the, and they're, they're following me. And I had so many recordings, and I said, oh, you know what, somebody should hear this. And it goes on, it's, it's about an hour, where there's a live track of Speedball Jam, because it was a, something that I would do live at each show. But uh, it was, it was fun, it was, it was like, it was like the old days, it was like, being a kid, you know, and having, you know, when when all that mattered was was playing, 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 jamming, 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 you know, and uh, you, you'd do anything to get to find anybody to play, you know, you go to anywhere, you get, you travel anywhere to find and go to any club, any rehearsal, find anybody that wanted to play and just jam for hours. So um, I had all of these these recordings because I re- I recorded everything, even from even from the Kiss days, hell, I, I have every single show that we did, and from Creatures and Lick It Up, I used to rec- I recorded. I still have them. Uh, I recorded every single moment of re- writing, re- writing and rehearsing um, all the songs that we had written, you know, for Lick It Up and Creatures, songs that never made it onto the record, and. Uh, 
I wish they did, but you know, I've got everything. So it was my nature just to record everything. So that's what Speedball Jam was, was a collection of recordings. And I said, you know, people who, who the real aficionados are, the real Vinnie Vincent aficionados would really love this. You know, guitar players would love it. You know, guitar, guitar is like a polarizing instrument, you know. Oh, you're playing too fast. Oh, I don't like this. It's too fast. Because a lot of, a lot of uh, it's a vocabulary. It's a lot to listen to when you're getting barraged by notes. You know, it's even hard for me to listen to just to sit back and listen to. When you're playing, it's different. But when you're listening, it is a fatigue of so many notes. And so, you know, you listen to a piece here, listen to a piece there. I've, I've got... I've got someone that that's calls this his Bible. He's a guitar player, and he calls Speed Paul Jam his Bible. And uh, but it was it was how how rehearsals went, and I had a collection of these recordings, and uh, I put it together, put the CD out. And I remember, you know, I'd, I'd get the the reviews of what is this, you know, what the hell is this. I thought this was going to be songs. That, no, no, no. This is this is a thing called Speedball Jam. So it was. It's it's been raising in cult status, and um, it, it's been raising in value because when I put it out, it, it sold out immediately. I I didn't. I did a limited pressing, but it was. Can't remember how many there were. Probably a couple thousand. Just sold out really quickly, and I never pressed it again. So. Um, uh, it was something I loved doing. So June 7th is that recording, the fun of that recording come to life. It's, it's the, the informal, uh, get on stage, look at each other and everybody just, just join in, follow where I'm going and let's play our asses off and have fun. And it'll probably be about an hour or so of, of you know, guitar, <laughs> an hour, hour or so of guitar, Vinnie guitar. But it's fun. This is what I want to do. And this is what I want to do for the next year. I've got um, what's followed, you know, what's following is I've got three albums, you know, written in the can, ready to record. And uh, this is the first. This is the first launching, and uh, I think it'll be a, in a in a way because because this is so informal. There's only 60 people allowed in the capacity of the venue, and um, it's at SIR uh, Sound Stages in Nashville, and only 60 people are allowed in. So they have first come first serve, and. Uh, I hear, you know, you you got the typical bashers out there, which is Vinny's not going to show up. Well, that's complete bullshit. Uh, So go fuck yourself, you fucking morons. How dare you say such a fucking thing like that? But um, this is this is happening. And uh, we're in rehearsal stages. Um, Very soon we'll be in rehearsal stages. Uh, Next week we begin rehearsal. But I picked out two. Two great players, people who are very uh, harmonious to me, and I'm not an easy person to to work with. If I love you, I'm easy to work with. If I don't, I'm not easy to work with. And if I don't love you, then you're not working with me. But there's a breaking point where 
I'll give you a chance. I'll give you the benefit, but you don't get long because I'm looking at my clock and my attention span is very short. So, uh, but these people, I, I picked them myself. I have a great rapport with them. They're great players. And, uh, it's a very comfortable thing, very comfortable vibe. So this may set, I, I use the words cautiously because I am in the launching period here. I hate hype. I hate hype. I get, I get angry. I break out in hives. Anytime I hear somebody hype something, I go, no, 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 no. I keep things very low key, you know? And for me, it's better that way because it's honest. You know, the eighties were about hype. Oh, we got the greatest album coming out. We got the greatest band in the world. Uh, we're going to conquer the world going on tour here, going on tour here. And it was, it was so sickening because every band did it, including me. And it was just hyping and hyping and hyping. And, you know, it was, it was, a, it was a, the media machine. It was how, how Matt, cause it was magazines at that time. And, you know, fans bought magazines and their story after story of how this band is conquering this planet and how this other band has conquered, already conquered three planets. They got another one to go. So I just, I said, you know, I'm going the other way. You know, so I always buck trends. When a trend is going here, I go, uh-uh, I'm going over here. So I hate trends, and I set my own. Whoever follows, come on, you know, you can come, and uh, if you want to follow where I'm going, I'll take you there. And that's Speedball Jam. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm going to have fun. If I'm having fun, I'm sure listeners will go, oh, Vinny's back, aha. And that's, that's really what this is about, Vinny's back. Vinny's nope. back now. Now, there's a lot of stuff that was unpacked in that answer, so I'm going to try to, to, to corral some of it, but, <laughs> right? Hey, when you do an interview with Vinny Vincent, you get probably more than you're expecting. You more do. More answers than you, could, you can handle at one time, but uh, I like to get, I like where the meat is, you know? Right. So I give you the meat. And and by the way, my my favorite hype from from your former band is our new album sounds like Destroyer. That that just drives me crazy because it's every album they've done since 1976. Anyway, uh, but <laughs> right, I mean that that, yeah. that was that was always the hype. But um, yeah, except for Lick It Up. <laughs> oh, I'm sure that some. That didn't there, sound I, like Destroyer. I'm sure you could find that it's a great. They, they must have said somewhere it's the greatest album since Destroyer. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I'm sure somewhere we could find that. But okay, let me start with some of the stuff here. Uh, you said you recorded everything, including Creatures of the Night shows. Is that you have Creatures? Yeah. Of the Night? Oh, I have every single every single show we ever we ever played. Yes, I recorded every single Creatures show. I recorded every single Lick It Up show, U.S. and Europe, and oh yeah, yeah, I'm I'm the I'm the, the t ultimate tourist, you know. I'm I'm the one with the cameras, you know. I want to take, hey, I want to go visit this, you know, wherever it is, you know. I'm I'm the ultimate tourist. But let me just ask, so, let me ask for a clarification. Is it just that you popped in a cassette and you have sort of an archive of it, or are these actual professionally record? Like if I were to play it tonight. Would it sound like I was in the venue, or would it sound like a bootleg? Uh, I recorded them from the stage, so oh, wow. I had my um, recorded them on cassette, and they virtually sound identical because we were that polished. So it, each show, 
there was really no variation from show to show, but no, they sounded great. You know, you sounded wow. like you're in the venue. Absolutely. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. So the, uh, yeah. the, two, the two Montreal shows, just uh, pull those out and uh, I'll send you my address later. Um, <laughs> I, I, have I to got say, the Montreal shows. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've got those. That that Montreal Creatures of the Night show was spectacular. I think the head pins opened up, if I'm not mistaken. It was wow. I wouldn't remember that. Yeah, I, but I do remember. Except wait, that was Montreal, Quebec. Yeah, oh, we, uh, that we stayed or we st- I, well, I remember the, this castle, this this, this Chateau very Champlain. interesting castle, and we were dining at this castle. I don't remember what place it was. It was oh, I know exactly what it is. It's Chateau Champlain. Uh, that was that rings a bell. Yes. It was really fascinating. Yes, that that was the place. That's where the all the bands sell. Uh, 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 sorry, where all the bands stay is what I should say. Uh, yes. that, yeah, it must have been where we were staying there. Yeah, very fascinating place at that time. But uh, Canada was great. Canada, I actually think the second of my last shows, Vinnie Vincent Invasion show, was in Montreal. Uh, yeah, it was Montreal. I'm trying to think. The Vinnie Vincent Invasion and, uh, show. Uh, oh, wait a minute. Sorry, Toronto. I think it was Toronto. Right, Sorry. at the, at the uh, uh, Phoenix? Was that where it was? I don't remember. Anyway. It was um, last second to the very last show, 1988. Um, it was Toronto, and I can't remember the venue. Um, eh, doesn't matter. Um, yeah, okay. So that's really what what fans are going to expect. And, uh, it, 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 you know, this... Is it, because it's low-key, because it's not being hyped, it, it, this is my opinion, and because this is the, you know, you want it, you got it, Vinnie back tour, Vinnie guitar shred tour, in my opinion, this is more history than than I could have, than, than I could have reset by doing, you know, a, Vinnie Vincent Invasion Tour. Now, when I said that this was a, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm treading lightly say this, but because, uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm doing this one at a time show and, uh, I'm booking them myself. So I have, I know that there's nothing going to go wrong, you know? And I, I'm my my attorney is is overseeing everything with me. So everyone's protected. The fans are protected. The the venue is secured, and you know this show goes on as 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 supposed to, and uh, this and that. But um, so I'm doing ask- uh, the reason I I said I'm pulling back slightly on this is because I don't like to say I have plans for this for this. I do. But I want to make sure that those plans materialize, and this could be – it has all the potential that I see uh, to uh, rise the uh, Vinnie Vincent Invasion logo uh, because it's here. You know, it, it can be used on this because I see the potential where this is going, and it does have all of that. And uh, we'll stop there on, on – you know, what I foresee, right. Right. Let, but this let, has the potential to, to do, you know, to, to fulfill all of the music that has been, you know, alive and wanting to get out of its cage, uh, for a long time. So, uh, I'm, I'm feeling like I f- I'm feeling like I'm 21 
And I, I, you know, that tiger in a cage feeling, you know, and I'm walking back and forth and just let me out, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so, I, I feel like I'm 21, but my shoulder and back disagree. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, but here's some of the other things you said. You said there was three albums coming out and then you also said, you know, I did they, say they were coming out and well, saying that, that they are alive. This music is alive. And okay. I, I have, I have a team that I can see executing all of this and actually having it finally come to the the fans or coming out and being there available for people to really hear. Okay. You know, because where I left off was the Guitar Mageddon album and that has reached different plateaus since all of those bootleg recordings. So this band can can corral everything that I have, you know, wanted to do. And I've got it, you know, I have, I have all the pieces I need to really make this work. But I will say, part of, part of the, the frustration for bands and that, that I have found uh, th- that have been a frustration for me, uh, and this is why I have to balance all of this, because with Vinnie Vincent Invasion, it was, that actually was not, started as a band. Vinnie Vincent Invasion was the name, the name of my first album. And I was signed as a solo artist. And in 86, um, they were different times, you know, bands were bands. I mean, that was, bands were dictating the, the, the genre that, that, that was the era, you know, rock bands, rock bands, rock bands. It was that, you know, solo artists were, it was, it, they were not quite, uh, couldn't reach the stature of a band of what could be, you know, achieved as as a as a larger larger piece of marketing and imagery than than uh, than a band itself, which caused me to pick, uh, you know, make a choice on some people. Some were, you know, not a good choice. But overall, Vinnie Vincent Invasion, that was the name of the first album ended up being the name of this, you know, picture of a, of a band. So, and the way I work and create is that I write all the bass parts. My, my enjoyment in recording is really with a drum machine. Um, because, because just drummers cannot give me that, that sexual intercourse that a drum machine can give make you feel you know it's it's nothing can top a machine in 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 the in that feeling of you know i feel different there's electricity here it's not there's pluses in having a real drummer but you know you can't when when it's coming to a feel and a drum beat nothing can top or make you feel the sexual you know uh feelings of that drum machine especially if you've got great great samples so the way i write is i do all the background vocals obviously all the lead guitar all the guitar work uh, i write the bass parts and i sit it on a drum machine and at the end of that day that's my album and i go 
it ain't going to sound any better than this. So, I mean, what, what would really the point be in giving my base parts to another person to execute what I just already executed? So there's a bit of a frustration um, because I don't like to translate what I do to somebody else when I've already done it. You know what I'm saying? But to take it on a – to take my music on the road – it requires other people. So if it's going to require other people, then these the people I've picked are are really good interpreters interpreters of of my music. Um, so I like where this is all going, and and I, I'm I'm hoping I'll eventually get there. You know, we got I I believe this. There's a boss upstairs. You know, call it what you want. And as long as the boss says, today's a good day, kid, you know, go out and do it. Do what you got to do. I'm doing it, you know, so, and I take every day like that. Yep. And, and I'm, I'm curious, how, how did you know my wife was upstairs, by the way? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Your wife. Huh? Yeah. yeah she's, up, she's upstairs. No, uh, she's the boss. So the, so the wife is the boss. Huh? <laughs> the okay. wife is the boss. Yeah. Um, uh, so, the, the oh, other that's thing, the new world today, right? The, the wife world. is the boss. The wife is the boss. Got it. That's right. Yep. Um, you, you mentioned just real quick also uh, in that opening scene. By the way, hold on, hold on, back up. Yeah. By the way, um, I sell these uh, – and by the way, these fans love this. You know, It's been a very big seller for me. But I, um, I sell the um, replicas of uh, Jackson shark fin that I played – during the creatures and look it up eras and I have them refinished in pink for look it up era and the gold metal flake for look it up era. And I signed them and, uh, they're, they actually are a big seller for me. So, um, I brought, I brought, uh, a bunch of them with me to, to Florida, to Miami last year, last October. And, they were they were flying. They were they were selling. I was selling a lot of them. One guy says, "I really want this so bad, but my wife will kill me." I said, "Well," <laughs> and he had some friends with him, and they said, well, "Well, we'll just we'll help you pay for it." And he says, "Oh God, my wife will kill me," you know. And he went on like this. He was agonizing. My wife will kill me. She'll just kill me. So I said, "I'll tell you what, you know." Well, I'll work it out with your friends, and you could take it home and then break it gently to your wife. So he says, "Okay, okay, I'm gonna do it. All right." So he's ag- he still says he's saying okay, but he's agonizing. He's walking, pacing back and forth, and they're they're talking to him. Said, so, "Well, we'll pay for it. Don't worry about it." So so after after like 20 minutes of of his agony, he finally says. I'm really sorry, but she'll kill me. You know, I can't do it. And I thought, geez, you know, how sad. You know, his wife will kill him. I mean, it's just how sad, you know. I've now, figured if you're going to work, you know, at least at least enjoy yourself, pal. You know, I and agree with that. that. I agree with that. And that's that. that. And and uh, yeah, my wife doesn't get between me and my music. That's 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 one <laughs> that's one important thing. Now, the other thing that you had mentioned real quick, and, and you said uh, the, you know, the haters are going to hate what sort of thing, and the, 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 this show is not going to be canceled. Uh, I don't think it's going to get canceled, but the, but there well, is. Well, it isn't going to get canceled. Of course, that that is a misconception. That is because of what happened coming before. Up. 
uh, suggestions. It's it's hypnotic suggestion that that it, it's it's like a smear narrative, and let's hope somebody jumps on it. Yeah, that's exactly what we want to talk about. You know, then they then the narrative keeps going on, and it mushrooms into this, and it grows more and grows more, and sympathetic. Grow up. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna move. Grow up. Grow up. You know, I'm, I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to move along because I, I think this is going to be a great event. But uh, you mentioned, it is, it of is. course, it's going to be fun. Uh, October, you mentioned that you uh, you had this guy with the guitar, which, of course, was right before the Kiss Cruise. You did that stuff with Four by Fate. But almost, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great band, by the way. John Regan is awesome. But almost a year to the day, uh, April 14th, 2018, <sighs> you did the Gene Simmons Vault experience. And that was for fans just incredible visual to see you and Gene standing on a stage because that, you know, there's been baggage and so on and so forth. But how was that, <laughs> right, right, to understate it just a little bit, but but how was that for you? Was it closure? Was it a new opening? Was it was it just nice? How was it just to get there and well, do I'll, I'll that? I'll tell you how it was. Okay. I could bullshit you, but I won't. Okay. I will tell you the truth because uh, what's the point? Um. I, on my way down there, well, first of all, it began uh, a year ago, June. Well, we're, we're in April, so, oh, what, what, where are we? Yeah, no, it began two years ago. Sorry, right. hold on a second, let me, let me think. A year ago, June uh, was after the vault, no, okay. So it two was years ago, almost two, two years June's ago. ago. Right. We haven't reached June yet, so we we are in April. So, so a year and ten months ago, uh, began with an email from Gene. Actually, two emails because I didn't see one. He emailed me again in July. I'm gonna do a vault tour. Like you to be there. Uh, I'd say, and I I didn't actually read his email until Christmas Eve. So. Um, it was six months before I got to answer him. And I said, so Christmas Eve, I checked this email, which is, which I don't, didn't use any longer. So it was an old one that he was sending an email to. And I says, Oh, how about that? So I said, I said, Hey, how are you? Merry Christmas. <laughs> and I said, uh, hope you're doing well. Yes. No problem. Love to see you again. If you need me, I'll be there to help you. You know, that was a tough thing for me to say. And, my natural instinct would have been to say, go fuck yourself. You know, you hurt me too much. Uh, I will never, ever extend myself to you ever again. So, um, but I said, no, I'm going to try and rise above that. And I said, okay, let's, uh, it's a way for me to, maybe for me to put some closure on something that, I wasn't sure if I could put closure on. So I said, yes, no problem. And we talked throughout the next six months until I saw him. Yeah, till I, till I showed up there. Uh, on my way there, I still said, what are you doing? You know, uh, why are you doing this? You know, you know how the mind goes when you're, especially when you're driving and you know that what you're doing is goes against everything that you think you should be doing. What's right for you, you know? And I said, why the fucking Christ am I, am I going to, to do this? You know? Um, I thought, 
you know, there there was the good. There was good, but the bad did not have to be. And the bad was was seized upon to make it worse. And uh, it was a incredibly, incredibly fucking ugly lawsuit that did not have to be, did not have to be. It was me seeking untold enormous sums of royalties. You're listening to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFon. Rock Talk. We are back with uh, Vinnie Vincent, of course. Uh, modern telephony is sometimes uh, is sometimes suspicious, but Vinnie, you were in the middle of a story about an incredibly horrible lawsuit about getting royalties paid to you, which were due for I am assuming lick it up and for creatures of the night. Oh, it was everything. It probably. was everything. Yes, so royalties were from creatures for lick it up, all the uses, every single possibility that that uh, that that. <laughs> You know, of all the uses collectively, and the, it and believe me, they were they were huge, and uh, it was a very ugly lawsuit. But you know, I don't know where and how this was left off. But um, it's it's easy, it's easy. And this this I'm bringing this story into it, and I'll I'll tell you, you tell me. And I think the question I was asking before we. Right. Well, after we got cut off, and I didn't realize you were there, weren't there. Yeah. But is this? Uh, are we? Are we into a serious uh, conversation, or is this playing tag? It's up to you. I, I will go down the serious road if you want. I, I, and uh, fans for will sure. hear. No, I, I mean, this, I don't like lightweight conversations. I yes. don't really have the time for them. Yes. So if and, it's and serious, I'll talk. If it's it, not, then I'm I'm not that interested. You know. It is serious, and the fans will hear you word for word. There's it's there's not going to be slice and dice. It's going to be what you say is what they hear. So with, with that in mind, uh, well, would, let me tell you, this is how it is. Okay. It, it, the, this lawsuit began in 1993, and it, it, it hadn't manifested into an actual lawsuit because I had given them so many years through so many different attorneys representing me to settle this case with me. There is a case here. Why let it go to court? We're dealing with record companies and royalties that are that I'm I deserve. These are mine. The fruits of my talent, my labor, my, my, this is my earnings and you have no fucking right to them. But the record company is, is a big game, but I'll tell you what, if you walked into a bank and handed them a stick up note for 50 bucks, you'd be in prison for a long time. So this is, this is bank. This is armed bank robbery. The, the, this is my version of, of, this is what I view as the record company. It's just bank robbery. But unfortunately, they haven't made it a federal crime because if they did, the, most of these record company executives and accounting and whoever would be behind bars. But it's, it's, a, it's a game where they collect your money and go fuck yourself if you think we're going to hand it to you. Now, the game is normally... Uh, yeah, we just got, uh, we just, here's your, we're so proud to give you your royalty check and they'll give you a check for 30 grand. When in reality, 
the real amount that they collected was 140000 you know? But you don't know that unless you have to go through the, 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 the roadmap of trying to find it and accounting and this and that. And it's long, arduous, expensive, and this and that. So by the time the discovery had been uh, uncovered, there were, there were several million. And uh, I said, well, I have no choice. I've got to fight this. So by 97, uh, the, the lawsuit was actually filed. And I was not, not giving up. I was going to my grave, making sure I saw justice one way or another. I was going to fight this lawsuit until there was, I don't care how many justices retired, but I was still going to be there. So the bottom line is that what I've learned is that there is no such thing just as justice, because justice is only served to those who have money. So driving down to his vault thing, I, a, a lot of replay went into, into the drive. You know, I replayed, you know, the, the vicious, the, the unbelievable malice and callousness in, in, uh, in, in uh, their attorney telling me, Oh, Gene would rather pay us two and a half million dollars in legal fees to fight you than to give you one penny. So when you're talking about his vault and me getting over it, there was a turning point where I almost turned around and said, go fuck yourself. Why in the world would I come down and greet you with a smile and try to make this work when these what you did to me was reprehensible at best and, uh, you know, repugnant were, were the nice words. You know, there was no reason for any of that. There was too much money to go around and it's a lot easier to say, look, Vinny, thank you. All right. Without you, we would not have been this or that. So you gave us this, what's it going to take for you to be happy? Hey, you got a family. You got a mom, you got a dad, and you you got you, you got a life. You deserve this. What's it going to take? All right. Instead of going through twenty, almost twenty years, almost twenty fucking years, they they dragged this on, and they did some hideous shit in court to me that was beyond beyond anybody's belief, beyond the belief of many attorneys I know that couldn't even believe somebody would go to these unethical. Uh, levels of of trying to hurt somebody intentionally. So I said, you know, this is a test of wills, right? Okay. I picked up the lawsuit. I because all my attorneys left. I had I had thirty five attorneys, and they were all coming in on the come. You know, hey, I'll do this for a contingency. Yeah, fine. And each one that came in fucked it up from the, from, from the one beforehand. So they'd come in, they'd make things worse, and I got to pick up the pieces. Finally, I said, wait a minute, I can do this. I know my case so fucking well, I can do this. So I got Westlaw, I knew all the court rules, and I'm saying, okay, move over, assholes. I know how to argue this case, I know how to write this language, I know how to fucking research all of this shit, and I'm coming after you. And I'm going to be coming after you until until decades, decades from now, until I'm either 
I win or I lose, but I'm going out fighting. I'm going to know for sure. So I fought them in pro se, which is your unrepresented litigant, uh, which at that point you become your own attorney. And uh, for 10 years, for 10 years, and they thought I had an attorney, but I didn't. It was it was me. And I knew what I was doing. I could argue it. I knew the law. And and what was keeping me sane throughout all of this was my guitar. It was keeping me like that was my engine. You know, I'm I'm doing this because I need to. But it was my guitar that that was the that was the Ferrari engine that said, you know, this is keeping you on that ground and you, you know, you're taking this where you want. And eventually you're going to be playing this again and in front of people. But right now this is, this is, this takes priority, you know? And plus it was the nineties. Uh, then it was the two thousands. And during that period, you know, it was hard. There wasn't really much music anyway. And I think the resurgence is here right now. I think to a place where people want to hear a guitar player because it's brand new to to their ears all over again. Uh, unfortunately, you know the there's a lot of toxicity in 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 the group I came from, and you know there's a, a lot of immaturity. And who could bash people the best and who gets a kick out of kicking this one and kicking that one. So that's that's like the downside, because if I can't have fun doing this, I don't want to do it, you know, but I'm having fun. I'm having fun for me. So where, you know, I'm the Pied Piper. If you want to follow me, you follow me. You don't then then stay out. You know, it's better you stay out because I won't let you in anyway. So um, this is this is me for the fans, for the real fans that want to enjoy what I do, and uh, fine, you know. But unfortunately, there's there's uh, the name Vinnie Vincent draws strange crowds, very strange, strange people, strange crowds. It, it draws normal normies. I guess that's the word for normal people now, but. Uh, but it does draw some, you know, obsessed OCD crowd, you know, um, and it's it's unfortunate. But uh, you what? know, get a life over it, and and let's do what we do. Let me play my music, and that's all I do. That's what I want to do, you know. I'll ask you this. But getting back to the vault, because this is, I, I I needed to interject that story. Right. And by the way, it's very what I I cut when we got cut off. This is what I was saying to you. Okay. It's it's real cute. I almost didn't do his vault because because you know when you're driving you think okay, and the thing that kept coming into my mind was hey, it's the first time I'm seeing this guy after after you know <clears throat> being. Uh, run over by his bus, you know. It's easy to run over somebody when you can just keep forking hundreds of thousands of dollars into a ter- into attorneys to to your law firm to say, hey, destroy Vinny. Hey, here's here's another hundred and fifty thousand. Here's another five hundred thousand. I want you to destroy Vinny. It's a lot. It's very easy, and it's also really cute to say, uh, hey. Um, Here's Vinny filing another 150th lawsuit. 
another 300th lawsuit. Ha, ha, ha. Very funny. Very fucking funny. Not funny to me. And uh, yeah, these were different lawsuits for different causes of action. But I'll tell you what. Uh, it's, it's, these are the things that when you have money, you buy justice. You buy, and you may not even buy justice. You buy a win or you buy a lose. You know, mostly people with that kind of money do not lose because judges are pretty much in the same, they're not on the wavelength of justice. It's a good old boy game. And, uh, I can, I can even expand on this. But that's maybe for our last, uh, you know, another an interview from there. But these were all detrimental reasons that I that were starting to reverse my my decision to show up at his vault. So I I actually pulled over. I pulled over uh, for a while, and uh, I was late showing up. But I pulled over and I said, look. Uh, for all the reasons you have just been, you know, that, that for all the reasons, for all the right reasons, for all the natural reasons that you have for not going, you should not go. Okay. So, so then I had to make that choice and say you, but you made a promise and he's expecting you there. And if you're going to try to put behind you anything and try to to bury this, which is very difficult. It's like someone murdering your child, and you're going to try to face that person again and say, shake their hand. So, <clears throat> which is near impossible. Okay, I, I'm not I'm not built that well where I can shake my shake someone someone's hands for doing that, but. It was a moment where I had to make a quick decision, and I said, okay, I'm going. We'll see what happens. So I did show up, and and uh, to be honest with you, I, I went there with a smile. I went there to support his show, and I was – I felt – I felt that it was a cold reception – uh, and uh, I was treated very indifferently. And I, driving home, I thought, now why did you just do? Why did you just do this? But it, it's it's documented. It's there. You know, there was some funny moments, and I tried to keep it keep it. You know, nobody needs to know what really happened, but. We took some pictures, uh, you know, we talked a little bit, you know, superficial, was very, very indifferent, very cold, nothing warm. And I thought, hmm, okay, that's the last time I will get, I will do the favor and uh, don't ask me again. So that's it. So I think that uh, it's, like I say, I'm a serious talker. Uh, if I'm going to talk to you, it's serious. It's not bullshit. It's not lightweight. I don't give you incomplete answers. And if you want to know how I feel, then that's it right there. Yep. And that's, that is a complete answer. So I'm going to take a, an entire left turn here because I want to, I do want to ask you about some of the other stuff you've done. Yes, please. Yes. Uh, and I'm going to go way back 1978 to instant replay with a Dan. Oh, happy times. 
Yeah. Yeah. And and of course, after you were in Kiss and stuff and YouTube came to the stuff, we, we got to see some of these videos you did with him back then, which I didn't know existed. But talk <clears throat> to me about that time and being that guy, that the, the, the studio guy and working with Dan and then God rest his soul, by the way, because he did pass away. Um, and, and, and just th- take me, take me through that because when you, when you were with Kiss, they, they had the makeup on and they were very uh, conscious about not having somebody who had had some modicum of success with an uncovered face to break the mystique and stuff. But what was that like working with Dan? Because he, he was sort of an unsung hero, great pop, uh, sensibilities. Um, just talking about, well, I was an Edgar like winner. White Trash, Edgar Witter, uh, Group Junkie. So in the early 70s, um, I was shooting Edgar Winter into my veins every morning. And, um, I mean, it was my thing, you know. I wanted to be in Edgar's band so fucking bad because the, in, the, in 71, uh, it, was, it was the guitar player's band of, you know, uh, that was a rock and roll like you know, with virtuosity, you know, and I love the songs, but that was seventy one. Seventy two, um I, I'd say it consumed me for a good three or four years. So when Dan joined Edgar Winter, um I it, it, he was you know, he was um he was he was such an incredibly talented person and I, I I just had incredible admiration for him, and he was a great songwriter, just a great songwriter. But he was he was one of these I can do everything myself. You know, I could play bass, I could play guitar, I could sing, and I learned so much from him. So by seventy six, I was seventy five, seventy six, seventy seven, and seventy most half of seventy eight. I was with Felix Cavalier and we had a band called Treasure. Felix and I became very close friends and uh Felix was he was another one of my you know I don't want to say childhood heroes but hey when I you know when it's 1966 65 66 67 68 69 you're waking up every morning getting ready to go to school and you turn on WABC and WMCA which are AM and you know your top 5 songs is the Beatles you know the Beatles the Beatles the Beatles and then the Young Rascals so Felix was a like oh shit you know I'm shaking and my my knees are, are knocking I'm meeting this man who who formed a gigantic part of my young life gigantic. I mean, he was like the best of the best of the coolest of the coolest, the voice of the voice and the songs of the songs of that kind of era that was so influential on me and all my bands I had at that time. So by 78, Felix decided he wanted to um, go it alone. And Dan, and these were all, this was all happening in Connecticut. And Dan lived in Westport. Felix lived in in uh, Danbury at that time. And I can't remember. The funny thing is I actually can't remember um, how, how I got introduced to Dan. I just can't remember for anything. I, maybe somebody else out there can, but I can't remember the introduction. But um, he was putting a band together. Uh, 
he wanted actually began to put a rock band together. And this was this was the pop era. If you remember 78, Cheap Trick was part of the the fabric. It was a return of pop rock and it was leading into bands like The Knack and you know the the, the resurgence, the resurgence of the late 70s coming out of disco going into you know that rock again so but i was still in connecticut at the time and um i had met dan and uh he was looking for a guitar player to fill a position for his band and he it was it was a development period i remember he had a huge house in westport and a part part of the house was where uh he was recording albums for all the blue sky artists at that time that i remember and I know Edgar used to to record there, but Dan had had half of the house was set into this incredible room to record in, and he had a studio on the second floor. And um, so, you know, he'd have enough. The house was so big, so you know, the band would stay over, and we'd rehearse and record and whatever. So he said, you know, when I met him, he had just finished this disco disco song called instant replay and some other songs that he 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 says you know and i remember we had done some shows in new haven some other shows and trying to be a rock band and suddenly he says hey you know this this song instant replay is taking off and we're going to have to change directions says i'm going to have to change directions finish this album and uh, I have to put out an album for this. And, and the song is taking off. It's big everywhere. It's big in Europe. And he says, uh, CBS wanted me to, to, to go it alone or take a band with me, but I'm, I, I have to support the song. But this was Dan's thing. You know, he was, he was uh, you know, he liked the Studio 54 life. And... Uh, you know, it was like uh, he was torn between two lovers, meaning rock. He wanted to do rock, and he wanted to do this disco thing. So he says, "If you wanna, if you wanna be part of this disco thing," he says, "I got TV shows, TV shows, and t- more TV shows to do. You're welcome to come." And uh, uh, sure, let's do this. You know, this ought to be great. Ought to be fun. Ought to be this. Ought to be. That. So, um, I want to make sure we didn't cut off. Are we we're, still there? We're still there, but it but it's it's sort of skipping along. I don't know what it's doing. So why don't we finish? Hold on, with... hold on. Yeah. Um, I don't want to lose you. That's why I heard it myself. Are we still good? Yeah, Connection still good? Connection still good. I don't I don't know why our uh, telephony is 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 playing uh, games on us today, but you know who could imagine that in this world right now that telephones would be disconnecting of all things. Well, you know what I think. <laughs> since we've gone to is our cellar... connection good right now? Sort of. Sort of, really. Okay, now it's better. All right, put me on hold. Yep. Put me on hold. I'll yep. call you right back. Okay. Now back to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. And we are back for, uh, well, unintentionally, part three <laughs> with Vinnie Vincent. For some reason, the uh, the telephone systems are having... Now, of course, we are where I am. We're having uh, issues with flooding, so I don't know if... Uh, if, uh, here too. Yeah. Here so, too. Yeah. Weather's really bad. Storming so, horribly here. So I don't know if that's playing into it, but we were talking Dan Hartman. So l- l- let me ask you this about Dan Hartman. You really are getting the best of 
the best of the best interviews because I'm in a talking mood today, and I'm giving you the full Monty. The full. We're, we're, we're getting it all. Here. Was, was the Dan Hartman era a very sort of happy era? I mean, just to, to keep it very simple. Incredibly happy. Totally, okay. totally, totally happy. You know, I, I, was, I felt like, uh, you know, I want to do music. I just want to do rock music, and I was writing all these good songs. And, but it wasn't time, you know, and, and this really extremely happy thing was happening. And I said, I want to be part of this. You know, it, this, this, this is fun. All right, why not? You know, this is, this is a lot of fun. And I learned, um, I learned so much from him. And uh, I got to talk to him in 83, but to tell him, you know, I, I just joined KISS, and I just wanted to thank him for a really lovely experience and uh, for having me a part of, of that era and that that what he was doing but we were on TV, a lot of tv shows I'll, I'll tell you where look for me I, I was just you know i was a very naive kid i was green i was innocent i was extremely when i say naive i mean you know you could tell me this was something and i would believe you just because you told it to me and um uh i was um and you could tell by the videos, you know, I'm, I'm jumping around, looking goofy, having a great time, but I didn't care because it really was what you see in that video. It really was that, you know, and um, it was lip syncing, but it was, it was, you know, there was no pretense. There was no, no big issues involved. It was, uh, it, you know, it was a trip to Europe. It was my first trip to Europe, but it was, it was a very interesting thing because the, I really had been many countries. This 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 song "Instant Replay" was a giant hit in in every European country that I, that we had gone to, and treated just like royalty from the record companies. We never played live. It was all TV shows, and it was always that song. And we came back to the U.S. Uh, and headed straight to Hollywood to be on even more TV shows. And I, we were on um, American Bandstand. I know there's, somebody's got to have a clip of us on American Bandstand, 1978. We were on Midnight Special. I remember Michael Jackson or Jackson 5 were on the show. And, and I haven't seen these clips. I know that they're out there, but I haven't seen them. I haven't been able to find them. Um, but somewhere they will resurface. And we were on the Dinah Shore show. Um, and... Uh, Gosh, how many? I mean, there were others, others, others. And I, and after that, he says, well, I, I'm, the tour is over. I'm going back to Connecticut. You, you, you've got a plane ticket. You can either stay here, and here's $150. You can either stay here, and, and he had us booked at the, the Beverly Hilton. So I said, give me the 150 I said, give me my plane ticket. I'll cash it in. I want to stay here and see if I could make it. And I stayed there for six months, and um, I got the taste of, you know, I tasted the wine, you know, tasted the sugar. And, but I, I just couldn't sustain it. So I came back to Connecticut, and I met Edgar Winter, my hero from the early 70s, 
my guy. You know, I mean, this is like uh, doesn't get any better. So Edgar uh, asked me. I, I, he had auditions for his band. I went to play. Says if says you you have the gig if you want it. And I said, of course. Playing with the great Edgar Winter. So that lasted about seven or eight months, and then I said, I've got to go back to California. And that's when everything else happened. You know, you know the pretty much a lot from, that happened from there. We know what happened. But Dan, I I learned, I learned so so much from him. Studio, uh, a lot of studio technique I learned from him, and uh, he he was he was just amazing, amazing, amazing. He was a wonderful guy. Uh, he threw me a birthday party in Central Park, a surprise party. It was the summer of '78, and everybody was in on it but me. It was Central Park, New York City, and he threw a surprise birthday party for me at some big concert they were having at in Central Park on the Green. So, I mean, this was the kind of guy he was, you know, very, very uh, loving, very generous, um, you know, real, a real wonderful person. I, I really miss him. He's he would have been a great uh, a great friend at this point if I could you know, have had it happen. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was pure fun. And and I, I have really, really fond, fond memories of him and of that time. Yeah. It, 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 it was a, that was a great period. Now, were, were you at that time content on being a studio musician or was the goal always to be in your own band? Cause you had Laura Nairo, you had, Dan, you had Laura, not, Laura Nero. Nero. Oh, God, yeah. Oh God, did I? I mean, I had played with people here that that uh, that were just. It was just like beyond my 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 you know fantasy to have played with and had relationships with them at that time. And uh, she was another one. I mean, this was my this was my my nineteen sixties. You know. <clears throat> I love. I I fell in love with her. I fell in love with her music. I fell in love with her, and I used to have these incredible f- fantasies of, of 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 being in her presence and, and her greatness. And and suddenly, I'm finding myself recording an album inside her house. She she brought up a mobile truck, and we're recording in her house. And I'm spending every day with her for like three months. And I said to her once, I said, look, you know, and I, I used to, I used to quiver when I got next to her, you know, because I'm, because I, my head is going, you're not really here playing with your, your, you know, your idol, you know, I mean, I could, I wor- worshipped her. I just absolutely worshipped her. And she was like the most beautiful, beautiful soul, beautiful woman I've ever seen. And when she sang, I mean, she was, she was like the, the Beatles, the Rascals and Laura Nero were the soundtrack of my, of my life. And uh, the Beatles, I had never had that fantasy come true of, of, of being with them or working with Paul or Ringo or George. And, uh, but Felix Cavalier and, and Laura Nero, uh, just, just, you know, we're, we're, we're experiences that, that we're just, impossible for me that that they actually happened but um it it was you know it was just a magical time you know and uh but i i had there was a point where i said to her 
you know, she had a really beautiful layout of her house was in a very beautiful, peaceful, gorgeous piece of property. And I remember saying to her, I said, you know, you were a backdrop of my life, every song, every album. And I had my, my acoustic with me. And I said, could, could you, could you just sing to me some of these songs that I, I, you know, were, were like, I, 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 and those then, you know, it was record players and, and I, I would buy, you know, two or three copies because I played, you know, played the record so much. It was nothing but scratches. So here I'm saying, can you just sing to me some of these songs that were my life, you know, and she would sing to me. She says, well, let's go out to piano, dear. <laughs> I said, okay. And so we sit down, I, and she's singing to me, and she's singing Stone Soul Picnic. And, you know, she's singing uh, Timer. She's singing Wedding Bell Blues. And I'm going, no kidding. Oh, my God. And I'm just melting. But these, these were like timeless experiences that – that you know don't even exist in your imagination, let alone in real life. But I, I was very fortunate to to have a lot of this happen to me. So yep. I've got great memories of my of my life. I carry them around. They're they're just fabulous. Oh, great times. But but let me just get back to the question though. Were were you on a projection of I'm going to be a studio musician guy and just sort of live in LA oh, and go oh, to sessions? Oh, yeah, that was the question. Sorry, I drifted. <laughs> That was the question, but no, I didn't want to be a studio player. Okay. Uh, I was, I was, had that, that horrible hunger of, I've got all these songs and I, I, I'm, I, I can be great. I, I can achieve what I want. And I worked and worked and worked and worked at my craft. And that's what I wanted. I wanted what, what these artists achieved. And I knew that someday I would achieve that. But no, I never wanted to be a studio player. Never. Okay, so you, you... I wasn't. I wasn't. I didn't have the fabric. I, you know, I, I wasn't made of that fabric because I knew what studio players were. It was this guy that played on all these records. This guy that played on all those records. But I, I didn't have that. I was, I was always looking for that identifiable sound that would belong to me. You know, and I, I loved songs. I loved guitar. So I was trying to always, you know, I don't know if you're trying. It's just like you're doing something, but it wasn't trying. It was just, this is what I love doing. And here's a song I just trying to fit, you know, it, 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 trying to make a vehicle for my guitars. I think that's how my songs were born. I was just looking for a vehicle for my guitar playing. And, and you know, it, it evolved, evolved until... I became Vinnie Vincent and, you know, it's still, you know, now, now I, I have what I do and, but it was fun seeing that evolve, but no, never, never wanted to be a studio player, but I found myself being one, you know, in a very strange way. And, uh, and I, I, I wouldn't trade it because they were, they were really precious experiences, but no, I, I, that is not what I wanted. Okay, so the ultimate so goal So I was... got what I wanted, which is really you know, hard to believe I'm actually saying I got what I wanted, but I, I did achieve it, yes. And let me ask you about and that. And I still have unfinished symphonies that are, that, you know, unfortunately I got detoured, detoured for too long. And um, my symphonies want to be finished they are calling me every day, sending me emails, saying, will you fucking finish me, please? 
You know, will you please get me finished so I can rest here and know that I'm out for other people to listen to. So hopefully I'm going to be able to answer them, you know. Well, I hope so. Now, just before you said that the name Vinnie Vincent brings up a certain image and a certain thing, it's a great brand. But why not just go out and be Vincent Cusano and just sort of give you like a fresh start not that you necessarily need a fresh start but you know what i mean why not just say like like john cougar mellencamp just say listen i'm not john cougar i'm john mellencamp why why not just say say, hey i'm not vinnie vincent i'm vincent cusano and just go be that you know what i mean actually is true i mean it's it's why not right why not yeah uh never thought of that but why not i mean it's it is an interesting idea it is actually very interesting, and uh, I—it's something that now that's a question that no one's ever asked me, and and it's uh, something I would, uh, you know, you've given me something actually to think about it, to think about. Very interesting. Well, okay, because, all right. Yeah. I tell you what, I'm going to think about that, and who knows? Maybe I will do a show as Vincent Cusano. Perhaps, because, I mean, in a sense, Vinnie Vincent was born out of the Kiss days, unless I'm wrong, but I believe that that's... that's... where it was born. Yeah, well, so, it was born right there. Mm-hmm. So why not step out of it and say, well, that's that's their name for me. I'm this guy, and this is... Anyway, that's... I just... I just well, interesting, have... but then you become that person. You know, True. it was it was a name, and then you become that name because your music and your craft fall under that name, and then, then that's who you are, but... You know, Cassano or Vincent used a, a rose by any other name, you know? So this is the rose. Call it what you want, you know? Yes. And uh, listen, we're, we're an hour in, and we've had a couple of telephone issues. So let me, let me ask you one last question, maybe two Good more. Good to go. You caught me at a great day. It's storming. Uh, I'm in the mood to talk, and usually I don't talk to, you know, like I said, I don't give interviews. Yep. So right, uh, take advantage of it if you want. I'm still yours. I will take advantage. I will take advantage, but I'm going to ask you this because uh, I'm going to go to Kiss <sighs> Revenge for a second here. Uh, uh-huh. You were okay. brought. You were brought back, uh, but I'm going to ask you this: You had a chance to write a song, "Heart of Chrome," with Bob Ezrin, and of course, Bob Ezrin, Alice Cooper, Pink Floyd, The mm. Wall. Kiss Destroyer. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not just some schmo, right? I mean, we we agree that he's not some some hack. He's he's Bob Ezrin. He's not a schmo. No, he's not. No, a he's schmo. not just schmo. Yeah, so, <laughs> right. He's no hack. So talk to me he's about not a hack. Not a hack at all. <laughs> and he's he, not a schmo, right? Yeah. So when you're writing Heart of Crumb, first of all, how, how much of this was a collaboration where you're actually doing stuff with Ezrin? I mean, is is it just you know you? you Talk to me about that song, and and did you work with Bob Resin on it specifically, or was a, or did he add a part to it after you had sent it in? You know, these are these are really really interesting questions. Right. Okay, let me give you what what I how my memories of Revenge were. Um, we met for the first time after a number of years. We we uh, strange enough met at, in A and M Records uh, lobby. I had a meeting, I ran into Gene there, and talking, 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 how you doing, how you doing, okay, 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 so, hey, let's get together, okay, great, let's have some lunch, great, hey, you doing anything now, no, you want to come for lunch, okay, we're going to go here, okay, we'll meet us over here, okay, great, 
So by that time, it wasn't the toxic, unfortunate thing that happened. So it was still like, uh, all right, let's let's go. Yeah, let's go see each other, you know. And yeah, we're doing a record. Uh, let's you want to get together and write? Sure. You know, we always wrote good stuff together. That's how it began. So for exactly it was it was a straight solid 12 months of work and it began began at Jean's house uh it was an everyday thing and again I have all the all of all recordings of everything we had written Try, tried to write didn't finish intended works uh ideas this and that and uh and then uh, we were. I worked over at Paul's house for a number of months, and uh, we, had, we came up with a lot of songs. I mean, there was so many songs written that should have been on on the album. It really should have been a Lick It Up album again, uh, because because that team was recaptured again. You know, the, we caught we captured the vibe. I still have those songs, and I heard them not long ago, uh, going through every you know all the material I had. And I said, that song was great. That song was great. This song was great. Why didn't they end up on that record? I don't know what politics were going on, but whatever. So Heart of Chrome came up, and it began at Paul's house. And Bob, I remember Bob coming down, and it was developing from one idea into another idea into another idea. And uh, it was being – I think I – God, I can't remember who wrote what. Um, Heart of Chrome. It might have been Paul's title. Um, and it might have been. I just don't quite remember, but I think that was Paul's title. Bob was putting some ideas in there. Um, I don't re- really remember what specifically Bob added. But Bob, Bob was good. He was a great overseer of this works, this doesn't. I like this. I don't like this. Um, Bob, I don't think Bob actually played, I don't remember Bob actually playing an instrument, but, um, I think most of, a lot of the development ideas I can't, I think came between Paul and I, and then Bob would come in and, you know, just come over and, uh, we, you know, it's kind of just, you know, like, it's like clay, you know, it's in your hands and you're kind of like squeezing it and making it this shape. And then it comes out this shape. So, that's a, you know that record, uh, especially that song, especially that song. Um, I remember I just wanna was instant. You know that was like one two three you're done. Um, Unholy was was really a labor of love between Gene and I. Uh, boy, that took that song took a lot of turns, but uh, but it really developed into some higher higher level higher plateau of of an actual song. And by the time it came out, it was brilliant. And um, <clears throat> Heart of Chrome was one of those developing stories, you know, and it started as – it started one way and kept developing and building and building and developing and building. You say this – I think you asked this in a, in a way where you sound like this is a song that you love. Is this one of your favorite songs? It is. And well, in fact, uh, to be perfectly frank, I just want as my favorite from from that one. And Unholy is the one that actually got me back into Kiss. As the 80s moved on to 86, 87, I got very much into uh, the renewed Aerosmith and Bon Jovi and Def Leppard and had sort of 
left mm-hmm. the Kiss world, and then I heard Unholy on Much Music up mm-hmm. here in Canada, and I went, holy fuck, what's that? And then it said Kiss, and I went, that's not fucking Kiss. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a holy fuck, what's this? Yeah. yeah. And then it came and, back uh, on like four hours later, and I was like, oh, that's fucking good. And of course, the album. Yeah, had no, it. that was that was that was serious, serious stuff. And um, there were there were literally, uh, I must have had four or five spiral bound uh, notebooks of lyrics that were written for that song. I mean, they, that song could have been fifteen minute song, given you know, <laughs> given all the lyrics of all the unholy things in the world that have happened in time. Um, but this is what was chosen, and uh, it, it really had developed into to quite a masterpiece. And I just want to was it, it. I remember bringing that song in, and it just wrote itself, just completely wrote itself. And oh um, uh, God, and yeah, Heart of Chrome. I remember that that had been laborious, but it turned out. Interesting. It turned out to be a good song. As a matter of fact, I hadn't heard it for a long time, a long time. And uh, when I was uh, doing these meet and greet shows this past year, and I would play Vinnie Vincent Invasion Records and Kiss Records, you know, while people were waiting in line, you know, for autographs. And Heart of Chrome came on, and I remember well, probably one of the first shows, I said, gee, that's a great Kiss song. What is that? And then I realized it was Heart of Chrome. And I went, oh, that's right. Yeah, that was pretty good. I hadn't remembered that. So working with Bob was great. Bob Bob really has the... Bob has had great... Um, what I like about Bob is his his ability to process what he hears... Because, you know, you've got some producers that really don't know. Either they they interject too much of themselves or they don't interject enough. And Bob Bob was a really balanced, balanced, I wouldn't say he was a musician, but he was balanced. You know, he brought in music, but he was balanced in, in his, his vision. And he could say, I like this, maybe move this over here, let's make this that. And uh, Bob, Bob, Bob had a terrific, terrific genius about about him in that way. So I loved working with Bob. Yeah, he 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 really has what it takes. Okay, so let me ask you this: because you just mentioned that you 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 are at these meet and greets and you play the music in the background. How has that experience for you been going to these meet and greets and meeting fans? Is that something that you enjoy? Is it something that's a necessary evil? Does it make you feel uncomfortable? Or it's like, no, man, I want to shake hands. I want to see the people that have supported me. How how is that? That's let me of... t- let me tell you. Yes, I can answer this uh, very easily because I will repeat. Uh, I don't. I'm not an exaggerator. I I don't like to exaggerate. Does does me no good, but I will repeat what uh, the promoters would tell me, uh, and that is that you spend so much time with the fans, and they they love meeting you, and um, it's it's they 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 love it because I spend the time with them, and I do talk to them, and you know without me knowing what fans experience when they come to meet me and I don't really know, but I do hear it from the promoters and I do spend the time with the fans. So 
I, I would I would hear promoters say, hey, you know, this guy's a, a real jerk. You know, he just they come, he doesn't even look at him, signs their thing, and they leave. And he says there's a lot of people that do that, but you spend a lot of time with them, and they feel that they know you after after meeting you. So uh, generally, um, the shows were a huge success, and um, I, I had a great time. I really had a wonderful time. All the shows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like meeting the fans. It's it. They're respectful, you know. They they um they're really uh you know their their reactions are 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 really priceless. And uh, I I've been left with a, a lot of great memories, and um, I I enjoyed every minute of it. To be honest with you, mm-hmm. um, it was funny. Um, uh, last show we did before before because uh, you know there's a lot of celebrities that you know tv stars and people that that i watched growing up you know um that are like the room next to me or room down the hall and i remember let's see the um it was now these are people that i love you know barbara eden robert wagner from heart to heart uh these are all the people that, you know, were the, at the last show I was doing it in Chiller in Jersey. And um, next room over was uh, cast from Good Times. So uh, their manager said, would you like to come over and say hi? I said, sure, let's go say hi. Now, I had the makeup on at that time. So I walk in, you know, with the white face and the cross on. And, you know, and they're looking at me, wow, Vinnie Vincent, you know. So we took pictures together. It, and the, the fun, the camaraderie uh, in terms of that with other, other, you know, other celebrities or stars or artists that are there is really a lot of fun for me. So I had a ball this past year. And um, I'll tell you, now this, this you know, is, is not really that meaningful to people that are probably in the millennial age. But, you know, there was um, – there was this character called Cousin It on Adam's Family. And here's this little guy, and he's like the next room over. And I put him on uh, my Facebook because we took pictures together. But uh, fascinating, fascinating times, you know, especially seeing a lot of people that, you know, are on TV that you're watching when you're growing up. So the fans were great. Um, I had a really great year doing this, and uh, but it's I was uh, booked for Vegas, but to be honest with you, Vegas show fell on July seventh. Uh, by the way, June seventh. Um, this is something out there that I want to make sure fans understand. The Vegas show was booked for February uh, for June seventh, which is the date that um, the Speedball Jam show is is on. So. Um, I had to unfortunately uh, cancel the Vegas show uh, because you know the you know the show the Speedball Jam goes on. So just you know for the fans to know that there is no conflict and every, you know we're all happy we're all squared off on the Vegas show with the promoter and he wishes me well and uh, we'll pick up another show with with Bill Philput who's the promoter and a good friend. So. Um, 
Yeah, no, answering that question was yeah. the fans were great, and I loved meeting them. It wasn't just, hey, you know, sign this, go away. No, I loved it. These are, you know, these are, these are people I never really get to know, you know, never really get to know and see and, you know, look in their eyes and talk to them about what, what I've done that makes them, you know, happy, you know, so I loved it. Yeah, and they and they are definitely diehards now. Hopefully, we can get you up to Canada for shows. I, I know three promoters that have been chomping at the bit to get you here, and they're like, "If you ever speak to Vinny, tell him to come." Well, and they would take care. So maybe we can we can make that that happen. Um, set it up. I'll be there. I'll be there. I love playing in Canada, so so definitely set it up, and uh, you know, send the promoters to me, and we'll we'll cut a deal, and we'll be up there. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, listen, we are now uh, two hours in. I think we're good. I think uh, we covered a lot of good ground. What do you think? I think we we covered a lot of good ground. I think my my head is spinning because I'm staring at this computer. (laughs) Hey, I told you I was in a good talkative mood today, and I don't give this kind of time to anybody. So. And I I'm, gave it to you because you're you're a great great interviewer and you've got a lot of class and integrity and and, and this this will be a good interview that is yes. with the right person yes. which is you. Thank you. you know? And and I'm going to finish with this because my friend asked me to ask you this. He is Steve Brown of the band Trickster and he mm-hmm. he covered one of your songs on Kiss My Ank a tribute to Vinnie Vincent which by the way came out on my birthday. Uh, years oh. ago, yes, it came out on <laughs> August twenty seventh, two thousand eight. We're both August babies, by the way, which is why we're great. Uh, oh, but, great! What, but, what, what year did that come out, by the way? August uh, two thousand eight, and there's he does. Wow. Uh, yeah, he does a cover of a million to one. Sort of. Oh, hey, tell him I love that cover he did. Yes, and that's what I he love wanted it. me. Yeah, it's a great cover. It's like a, it's a, it's a sort of a slow, moody version of a million. Which, by the way, a million to one is one of the greatest songs that Kiss has ever done. Forget Vinnie Vincent songs, Kiss song. It's it's one of their, and they don't fucking play it. It's so irritating. It is a great song. It yes. is one of the one of the greatest songs, whether it's ever. them or anybody else. But yeah. you could turn that into a jazz, you know, almost a jazz feel. But I mean that that has it all. That has one, it's one of those songs, you know, one of those special songs. Yeah, I agree and, with you. Yeah, and 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 uh, yeah, well, and so we'll end there, uh, Vinny. Absolute pleasure. Uh, I will get the, uh, the the promoters to to. I, I, well, we'll talk off air and how how you want me to proceed with that. But yeah, they they want you, man. They they are chomping at the bit. I said, uh, <laughs> I'll bring Speedball Jam up to Canada, and who knows by that time we'll start to. Uh, branch off and and bring in other songs, but this year Vinny's back and Vinny's shredding. So that's the message that's really going out there. So all the naysayers, <laughs> you wish. Yeah. So uh uh-uh, uh uh uh. Uh-uh. So speedball jam don't bu- is... don't buy into that narrative, kids. Nah, it's you're, a... you're wasting you're wasting good gasoline driving nowhere. So absolutely, if so... you're gonna drive anywhere. Make sure you get in your car and come see the show. Yeah, and I'm gonna that, just that will make you happy. I'm gonna you know? uh, plug it. It is uh, vinnyvincent.com forward slash product forward slash tickets. It takes place on June 7th, and there's a meet and greet on June 8th. And uh, yes, yes, and don't miss it, folks. It is going to hey, be I'm gonna spectacular. Add one more thing here for you to to bring to the fans. Uh, we're 
And I'm going to leave you with this. Um, we are working out details uh, right now. We've been actually working on them for the last month. But we are tentatively scheduled for uh, a speedball jam shred at – it's a music store, huge music store, which I will be the guest We'll be playing live, and it'll be in Livonia, Michigan. And the name of the music store is Rock City. And these are great guys from uh, some real great, great guys um, um, who who own the place and run the place. And uh, they have a lot of special guests, a lot of special artists come there. So they're hosting a Vinny Day, V-Day at Rock City Music in uh, Livonia, Michigan. We are tentatively scheduled for July 13th, which is a Saturday meet and greet, live shred show. And uh, so, uh, yeah, the Vinny, the Vinny, the Vinny train, the Vinny train is is, on the, is on the tracks, is on, on track and it's rolling. So, so just wanted to bring that up. And again, the premiere show is June 7th, SIR Soundstage, Nashville, only 60 people capacity, which is really cool because it makes this really special and it, it makes this almost history in itself. And it's so up close and personal. It, it's, it'll be an experience for whoever comes. And, uh, and we'll leave it at that. And I'll tell you what, thank you for a great interview. And uh, it's always my pleasure to speak with you. And you got... You got a good one today. I was on. I was on a roll. You're, today. you're on, fire. You know, on I fire. I didn't want to cheapen it. I wanted to give you really in-depth, great answers. Great, and I appreciate that. And thank you for 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 taking the time. And uh, let me just turn off the tape here a second. Uh, well, first of all, I'll, just, I'll, I'll say goodbye. Uh, as we say in Montreal, merci beaucoup, uh, thank you. And uh, now I will turn off this tape. Now back to Rock Talk with Mitch LaFawn. Yes, folks, we're back. I did say goodbye to Vinny, but we forgot one thing, and I know you're all curious about it. The shows that were scheduled, I guess, for February, if my brain is right, that were canceled. Just quickly, what happened with that? What, what, What should fans leave? What knowledge do they need to have to have an enlightened decision as to what really went on? There's there's only one fact, okay, one uncontroverted fact that actually did happen, and that is that I, Vinnie Vincent, did not cancel that show. Uh, a matter of fact, uh, my attorney Chris Royer had been negotiating uh, for months with the promoter, and uh, so it, this was done all through all between the promoter and my attorney. Now, we have signed a settlement agreement and uh, which there is a non-disparaging clause in there between the two parties. We have settled our differences. But the fact of the matter is very simple. And what I can say, there's much I cannot say, but what I can say, which is a fact, is that I did not cancel that show. In fact, a week before the show was canceled, not by me, but a week before the show was actually canceled, uh, it was determined and decided and agreed upon that this show would proceed 
as a Vinnie Shred Festival show uh, because of, of my dissatisfaction with uh, the, someone who picked a singer that I didn't approve of. So the show was going on as a Shred show. And um, there was some contractual thing that had happened that had nothing to do with me. But it was not me that canceled that show. So unfortunately, uh, there was a statement that was disingenuously untrue that was put out on the website of the promoter who uh, did not tell the truth on what really had happened. But as far as I know, my attorney said that uh, he's willing to put out a video uh, uh, clarifying, clarifying, and I think that's a good way that Vinny was, in fact, not responsible for canceling the show, which I, which I never would. I would never cancel a contract uh, or a show, and uh, I was actually looking forward to doing it. And that's as simple as... As it really happened, unfortunately, um, you know, it got turned into a different narrative and uh, people make up, you know, this, they take a side on something that they don't really know the truth of the actual truth of what actually happened. So that, uh, that takes, it causes a lot of damage. You know, we're in a, uh, what is that, uh, Vinny derangement syndrome uh, <laughs> period here with a lot of fans, you know, and. And it's, 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 it's just like fake news, and then all of a sudden it's real. So, no fans, I did not cancel that show. It is, it is a bona fide fact. And uh, one day my attorney will probably come on, and you can hear it from him. He's, um, his name is Chris Royer, and he's overseeing um, the shows as they now are. So, that's it. There you go. Simple. And to the point, and uh, so you, all the fans, you now know. And that's it. So, great. Speedball. I think we've captured everything now, Mitch. Speedball Jam, uh, June 7th. Uh, don't miss it. And uh, I will say once again, uh, as we say in Montreal, uh, merci beaucoup. Thank you so much. And uh, there we go. Thank you. Okay. Okay, my friend. Okay. Love you. We'll yes. talk to you soon. Absolutely. You be well and uh, wish Canadian fans all of my best. Merci. Have hope a good to one. see them soon. Yes, we will. I will get on that with you right away via email. Thank you, sir. À la okay. prochaine. Thank Bye-bye. you, Mitch. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye God bless. You too. This is Rock Talk with Mitch LaVon. Mitch LaVon.